welcome Scream Demons to the Screams in the Basement podcast with Sam and Casey. This is a horror podcast in which two ho ho horror fans discuss all things horror, including news, recent watches, horror collectibles, and more. I am one of your ho ho hosts. I'm Casey. And I'm Santa Claus. And let's get, yeah, let's get screaming. screaming. <laughs> well, well, that was well. so stupid. <laughs> on brand for our podcast. Yep. Totally on brand. And we're doing it because we are talking Santa Claus movies. Tim mm-hmm. Allen, Santa Claus 1, 2, oh, 3, God. The Escape Clause, and that Disney Plus TV show. All on today's episode of Screams from the Basement. That's the real horror show. Tim Allen's post Tim Allen improvement <laughs> career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about the Holly Jolly Saint Nick. We're talking about the gross food crumbs falling out of his 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 white beard. Well, some blood instead of milk falls out of his mouth. We're talking evil Santa Claus tonight. Yeah. We're talking like kill you with an axe while teenagers next door you know eating milk sexing each other oh (laughs) or that yeah 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 we're talking 1980s christmas classic christmas evil aka fka you better watch out or we're a better title it, it is. There's another movie that has that. Well, we can talk about that maybe yeah. years down the road. Anyway, the other Santa Claus that is killing today is Christmas, Bloody Christmas. From last Christmas, the the Shudder original film. So we're talking Christmas Evil from 1980 and Christmas, Bloody Christmas from 2022. Two of the top tier killer Santa Claus movies. Hell yeah. Spanning 42 years of killer Santa tradition. Sam, before we get to that, though, we have a jam-packed Christmas-themed episode. We have our mood lighting set. I have mine set to 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 to, to red and green over here. It feels like the evil Santa from Christmas Bloody Christmas is about to invade my office right now. And I think that's yeah. the perfect tone for this podcast. We got a lot to talk about. We have a lot of news on today's episode, the first big piece of screaming mad news. It's it, it's it's probably the most screaming of all the news things we've ever talked about on this show. Yep. It's um, a big one. We're excited to announce that we have partnered. We, we, we become partners, collaborators. <laughs> we're, we're affiliates. I think that's the uh, official term we need to use. We are affiliates. Yes. Uh, uh, affiliates of Fangoria Magazine. What does the that mean? Only. What does that mean for Isn't us it? here on this podcast? Are you going to see Sam and Casey inside of Fangoria Magazine? Not right now. Not yet. Maybe not sometime yet. down the road. Are we on the Fangoria Podcast Network? Not not right now. Not, not yet. But we have something cool to offer you guys out there we have a discount code via our affiliate link we have right now you can use this i'm going to pop this up on the screen here as we are as we are talking um the first thing we got to shout out 
shopfangoria.com. That's the place that you're going to want to go for all of your Fangoria shopping. Hey, I know you all want to buy your own Christmas presents for yourself. I'm not going to ask my parents for a subscription to Fangoria magazine. I'm just going to get it myself. So if you're like yep. me and if you're like Sam, you're going to go to shopfangoria.com slash screens from the basement. That is our official affiliates link to shop everything Fangoria. They got the magazine, t-shirts, back order, back back issues. Mm-hmm. They have so many other like great goodies over on the Fangoria They got like mugs, Sam, a bunch of that? different bunch of different t-shirts i uh i got their like spring 2021 shirt or whatever and it was like an alien egg rising up out of the and that was the o in fangoria fangoria always has the coolest shit man they're the best they're the coolest they're the best we're we're happy to take part in that i'm gonna pull this part up there we go yeah fangoria yeah So you can get the entire uh, subscription to Fangoria right now, again, by using shopfangoria.com slash screens in the basement. Sam, what is that discount code they can use, though, to get 20% off? To get 20% off your order, you can use the discount code screams from the basement. All one word. Just screams from the basement, 20% off your order at checkout. Yes. So the great people at Fangoria made it super easy for people out there listening to find us and use our affiliate link. So again, we will plug that again uh, a little bit later on in the show when we get to official plugs for what we got going on. But yeah, we are super excited to partner with Fangoria. Uh, You and I alone are going to be using our affiliate link so many (laughs) times. So this this is super cool. Super cool. Um, yeah, Fango is obviously something that both you and I hold very dear to our hearts. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, love love Fangoria. The and be on bit. the look, be on the lookout for some cool, cool commercials that we're working on for this yeah. for this uh, affiliation with them. We have some fun ideas. We do, we do. All right, Sam. What's what's next in the screaming mad news right. category? Perhaps the most contentious we will ever get on this podcast. The first bit of Screaming Mad news comes with a little bit of Ryan Gosling and a little bit of Lee Winnell. And I lost the thread here. Wolfman casting announcement. Lee Winnell's Wolfman. that is still being executive produced by Ryan Gosling is no longer starring Ryan Gosling. It is starring Christopher Abbott as the titular werewolf. Um, Sam, how do you feel about this? Okay, Casey, I was going to have like an actual like prepared statement. Sam's soliloquy on Ryan Gosling. I really did. I had a whole thing on Ryan Gosling, like watching The Notebook. It was formative. I've never missed a Ryan Gosling movie. I love him. Like he is one of the actors that will always have my butt in a seat no matter what. I'm very disappointed that we are not getting a Ryan Gosling wolf man. I think he's perfect for it. He is the perfect amount of, like, he can do the quiet and timid stuff, and then he can go big. That is one of Ryan Gosling's, like, best qualities, is that he does the mild-mannered reserved stuff very well, while at the same time being an absolute freaking madman. 
just watch the SNL sketch where him and Vanessa Bayer are a couple who believe Santa exists. It's hilarious and very disturbing all at once. It's great. Um, it might not be a prepared statement, but God, I'm going long on this. I don't care. Ryan Gosling is like my guy. I was so excited for this. I still am, but I'm like, oh my God, like oh, we have already had so many wolfmen that just look like they'd be wolfmen. And I look at Christopher Abbott and he's a big hairy dude. And I'm just like, of course he's a werewolf. Of course. Like, we don't need another werewolf that looks like Henry Cavill, but less chiseled. Like, ah, uh, I don't know. I'm very excited. Christopher Abbott is probably going to make me eat my freaking words because it's Christopher Abbott. He's got a great resume. He's a solid actor. Lee Winnell is a tremendous director. I have the utmost faith in him. Upgrade and Invisible Man were both, I think, in my I mean, Invisible Man was my favorite movie of 2020. Upgrade was in my top three, I think, uh, the year it came out. Anything Lee Winnell does, I'm going to be there for. Um, I'm still really excited for this movie. But, oh, God, I just, I'm really, I'm really disappointed we're not actually getting Ryan Gosling in the title role of this one. And you know what? Apparently, most people don't agree with me from what I am reading. But you know what? That's my soapbox. I planted my feet firmly on it. And yeah, Ryan Gosling rules. I wish he was the wolf man. I'm still going to watch this and probably put it on my top 10 list next year. So <laughs> that's my, that's my, that's my thoughts. What are your thoughts, Casey? So I don't know if I know Christopher Abbott from anything. Like when I saw that name, I saw his face like in the headlines and stuff. And I was like, okay, yeah, that, Sure. Why not? Why not? I don't know. I don't think I know him from anything. And yeah, he's been in a few like he's been minor role in a few things I've seen, yeah. but he's worked with a lot of like really big directors and like some on some high profile movies. So I don't know. Yeah. And for me, I, I kind of like it that way that I don't know him from anything. And I like having an unknown, more of an unknown than Ryan Gosling in this role. And the reason I do, it's not that I hate Ryan Gosling. I like Ryan Gosling. I'm not like oh, Gaga over, over him. Like most people are. I, I like Ryan Gosling. My thing is with the Wolfman, especially with Larry Talbot, if I assume that's the route we're still going to go, it's still going to be Larry Talbot. And that's, that's the Wolfman. Uh, I, I like to have him be kind of an everyman, a sympathetic a sympathetic, uh, almost not really anti-hero, but a sympathetic monster where you, you feel for the man. Because when I, I did a binge watch of the Universal Monster movies uh, over the pandemic, and that was the one thing I noticed and really latched onto, onto was the character of Larry Talbot and how relatable he was and how bad I felt every time he had to turn into the Wolfman. And that's something I, I hope Christopher Abbott brings to the role. And I say that as, like, I assume Ryan Gosling probably could have too. But I don't relate to Ryan Gosling. At all. He is a very, he is one of the sexiest men on earth. He has an eight-pack. He's chiseled. He's incredibly good looking. He can sing. He can dance. He can act. He can do comedy. He can do action. He can do it. He can do it all. He's too good. That's my problem. Ryan Gosling But we've is never good. seen him go wolf. <laughs> 
That's fine. I don't need to. He I'm going to have... write a wolf, it's... a werewolf movie for Ryan Gosling if it kills me. Here's I'm going to one... see Ryan Gosling turn into a wolf, Casey. Here's the one thing I have over Ryan Gosling. I have more hair than him, and I want to keep it that way. <laughs> so that's why I'm all for Christopher Abbott playing the Wolfman. He has it all. He has it's... it all. I need this one thing for me, Sam. I need to have more hair than Ryan Gosling. That's all I'm asking for. And I need more hairless blondes to be able to play werewolves. <laughs> Just watch Twilight then. None of none of the hairless blondes in that are the wolves. <laughs> I know, but they're they're hairless. That is true. Very hairless. They're all hairless, but that's because they wax. I'm sure. <laughs> all right, Sam, what's next for right. Screaming Mad News? Oh my God, the next one, not contentious at all. We're both very much in agreement on this as great news. Orphan 3 is coming, and William Brent Bell is returning as director. Oh my God, what else is there to say? Orphan First Kill is amazing. It was in my top 10 of last year. I'm so excited for another one. Like, give William Brent Bell 100 more of these movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Yeah, we... we... (laughs) It, th- this chat about William Brent Bell has been been occupying both our our messages to each other and our group <laughs> chat of how much you and I are are William Brent Bell stands. We yes. love the dude. Not all of his movies are perfect. No, but all of his movies are are very unique and highly entertaining, and do- always deliver on what you want them to be. Well, except for one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the he- Devil Inside delivers on what. I expected that movie to be. Oh God! Which is it's not, that's not a good thing. Anyway, that, <laughs> uh, that that's obviously his worst film. And I yeah, think most, it is. Most most other uh, I, William I'd Brent argue fans would say it's his thing. only truly bad film. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, we're gonna do a whole. We have ideas for William Brent Bell on this podcast. We love the yeah. So shout out William Brent Bell if you ever want to come on the show and talk about you know Orphan Three or, or your new film or any of your 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 films and your film or Stay Alive because I love that movie more than probably Healthy. Give um, me a reason to watch Stay Alive, William Brent Bell. Please come on and let's talk. Is about that it. like one of the only ones you haven't seen? I think it's it might be the only one. Oh my god, dude! Yeah. I we should do a Stay Alive episode sometime because uh, that for the was, William Brent Bell episode. Sam. The we movie gotta is seminal, Casey. Seminal. No, we're both obviously very excited. I think both of us had Orphan First Kill, the sequel, well prequel, uh, <laughs> as as in our top tens of of last year. God, it might I have even been in our top it. fives. To be yeah, honest, <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if it was. We love this movie. It was incredible. It's I think it's Bell's best movie, and I'm excited. I think he works yeah. perfectly in the Orphan. Like that type of concept is like built. For William Brent Bell. Oh, I know he didn't God, do the first yeah. movie, but it's like built for his type of uh yep. filmmaking sensibilities. And it's so goddamn rewatchable too. Like I, I think I've watched that movie four times since it came out, and I just it doesn't get old. It's mm-hmm. so good. Ah. It's incredible. Yeah. Speaking of other movies we're excited about coming out oh, God, uh, yeah. next year. Willem Dafoe is in Nosferatu, and we have our first look. Look at that madman. God, I'm so excited. I'm so, so excited. Will, uh, Willem Dafoe, who is no stranger to the Nosferatu saga. I don't know what else. To to the Nosferatu films. He's played yeah. 
Nosferatu. NFL. Yeah. This time he is playing a apparently a crazed vampire hunter. Sign me up every single yep. day for that. That's perfect yep. for Willem Dafoe. The more and more I see from this movie, the more and more I'm excited for it. I was already like over the moon excited for it, but I'm even more so now. Eggers just works on a different yeah. level. He really does. Like whether or not you like each and every one of his movies, like the worlds that he builds down to like every speck of dirt and every blade of grass is just incredible. Like no one, no one makes movies like Robert Eggers. Yeah. No one. Uh, I, I'm so unbelievably excited that he's taking on this and that he's reteaming with Willem Dafoe and Oh my God. Yeah. This, this comes out next year, right? Yes. Yes. Not the I only mean, time. We're going to be talking about that mo- this movie a couple more times. Yeah. It'll probably be, <laughs> I mean, this time next year, we'll probably be talking about it. Like it's going to be on our top 10 lists. I, I, I'd be willing to wager that this early. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah. So. All right. Last bit of movie news. Something I think both of us are also very excited about. This has just been an exciting couple of weeks for horror fans. I feel like mm-hmm. um, the incomparable John Waters is returning to the world of Chucky. He is going to be in the second half of Chucky season three. Um, as you guys know, I watched the first half of Chucky season three as it was airing. I'm going to be doing the same with this. Uh, it's one of my favorite TV shows ever. I love it. Um, I'm so excited to see John Waters return to this world. Um, I hope it's a little bit bigger than like a cameo role. Um, a lot of times when they get these big names, uh, it's for like a one episode thing, which I'm okay with, but I hope it's not. I hope he's a character in the episode the same way that like uh you know gina gershon or like uh nia oh, i'm gonna i'm just gonna butcher her last name but the the my big fat, fat greek wedding actress um i hope that it's a full episode where john waters gets a like a sizable chunk of time to choose scenery and be john waters and then i hope he gets another incredible kill scene because we already know he has one in the much maligned but not deserving of it seed of chucky one of the best of the franchise that is not a, that statement is not endorsed by this podcast it's endorsed by 50 percent of this podcast that's true and that is a passing passing grade or a, excuse me a failing grade um yeah i <laughs> see the chucky aside I love John Waters. I think he fits perfectly in the world of Chucky. He's probably my favorite part of Cedar Chucky. And to see him come back now as a as a different character, where in Cedar Chucky he was a like a paparazzi photographer. Yeah, he was like a scuzzy paparazzi guy. Yeah, and and started taking pictures of like Chucky whacking it and stuff. And uh, <laughs> this one he's playing like the crater, the the doll manufacturer crater of the Chucky, the good guy doll. And I think that's perfect. I think John Waters fits that mold perfectly. Yeah, I'm, again, I'm a season and a half behind on this TV show. I'll eventually watch it. Just kind of like another show I'll talk about when we talk about uh, what we've been doobie doing on how I watch TV. I'm three years behind the present. 
that's that's okay on most shows i am too chucky is just the one thing that no matter what i am just gonna be there you know mm-hmm. it's he's he's my guy it's my franchise yep um yeah i get it i love chucky I so casey on that note what have you been doobie doing because there's also a little bit of news attached to at least one of your doobie doings yeah uh I think both of us, we actually have news attached to our doobie doings, and we'll talk yes. about them when we talk about th- what we've been doobie doing. Uh, the first yeah. thing I have on here, uh, I, I've continued our, our binge watch of what we do in the shadows. Binge watched season two, like in one night. Uh, we're about halfway through season three right now. This mm-hmm. show is incredible. I love it. Love it so, so, so much. Have you uh, gotten to the calling gets a promotion episode? Yes. That's yes, season we, two, right? Yep. And season it's two, like yeah. maybe a top three episode for me. Yeah. I love that one so much. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the only one catching up on what we do in the shadows. We can spoil this, right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're already in like the fourth or f- we're on the fifth season, right? Yeah. We're in, we yeah. just, I think we just wrapped the fifth yeah. season. So um, at the end of season two is when we, in season two, and then in the end of season two, we find out Guillermo's related to Van. He's a descendant of Van Helsing, and he yeah. becomes a vampire killer in season two. And season oh, two yeah. ends with him with one of the best one-liners in the whole show, yeah, murdering the entire like, vampire council. council. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, while the while the core like family of vampires is on trial, yeah. And he, he slaughters everybody to save him. And like, what was the, what's the line that Nandor says when all of it's over? He's like oh, standing on a pile of dead bodies and Nandor's yeah. like, Guillermo, we had to do the dishes. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like just doesn't care that he killed all these vampires. It was, yeah. it was just, he disappeared and they had to do household chores for yep. a while. <laughs> Uh, Guillermo is the best. I love Guillermo. He might be, yep. he might be my favorite character. I love Colin Robinson too. Um, God, they're all incredible though. I love every character in this show. Yeah. I think they're so fleshed out and all very, very different. And yeah. I love, yeah. The progression of each, each character is, is, is awesome. Yep. I, I love it. Um, there's just, there's so many different there's so many different times where a different character will be my favorite for a while. And yeah. then it's like, Oh, it switches to someone else. And that's just so indicative of a great ensemble show. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's that way with ones like community for me too, where it's like yeah, parks and rec. Yeah. Where a, a different character is your favorite, depending on what stretch of episodes you've just yeah. recently watched. Or even yeah. sing- singular episodes. Like when I yeah. we got to the Jackie Daytona episode with Laszlo. <laughs> like, Laszlo's my favorite character now. I love yeah. Jackie Daytona. It's I really incredible. like, I don't like when shows repeat past storylines, but I'd kill for another Jackie Daytona episode. Oh, so I was going to ask that. Do they revisit Jackie Daytona? They should. They, maybe in the They last... haven't from what I, I've seen. Okay. But I'm also I'm only I'm only a couple episodes into season five. Um, I have not kept up with season five. Uh, yeah, but I yeah, Jackie Daytona is like the one thing that I'm like they could go back to that well, mm-hmm. and I think I'd still find it funny. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So th- with that being said, uh, it was just announced today as we're recording this that yeah. uh, what we do in the shadows, uh, season six will be its last season. So we have one more chance of Jackie Daytona showing up again. Yeah. And personally, I'm okay with this. I. It's so rare to have a sitcom like Sunny that stays pretty consistent. Yeah. This far in. And. I don't know. To me, it's smarter to throw in the towel while they're still on top. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's just I pre- I'd prefer if more sitcoms did that because you know you have so many that are like How I Met Your Mother is like maybe the best example where they just keep going because the demand is there, but then the quality lessens so much that you lose what was great about it. You yeah. lose your audience, and it just fizzles out with a thud like. Ugh. and so i don't know like i'm sad to see the show going off like with only six seasons but also if all six seasons are as good as what i've seen so far i'm more than okay with that you know yeah i think it's yeah six seasons for the size of their seasons too where they're only 10 episodes 20 like yeah. 5 23 minutes long perfect i think that's perfect for the show like we don't need this to go on forever and then you run into the problem of like hey they're vampires and they start looking older because (laughs) on the air on the air for 10 seasons oh my god you know what i just realized what's that they did the reverse of community they had a movie in six seasons (laughs) (laughs) and no chevy chase and no chevy chase Who's the winner there then? What we do in the shadows. What we do in the shadows. Uh, Especially because I love community, but like, oh, I'm going to approach this movie with caution, dude. It's been so many years. I'm approaching it with so much caution. <laughs> yeah, I am too. And I didn't, I didn't love the last like two and a half seasons of community. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways. What else I've been doobie doing? <laughs> yeah, uh, what else have you been doobie doing? I have some recent watches, uh, some new new release watches that I've uh, just checked out. Both uh, are Shutter films. One is not on Shutter yet. We'll talk about that one in a second. But first off, I finally got around to VHS eighty five. Uh, this has been on my watch list since it came out. I love the VHS series. It is mm-hmm. it's one of my favorites. Uh, I've been trying to get you to watch this forever and i'm going to eventually get you to watch the vhs series i've seen 99 i loved 99 actually we watched 99 together yeah that was the one that ends with the uh the winters uh segment right yes yep yeah god that one was so good awesome (laughs) that one's incredible uh vhs 85 so this is the the next one so they did 80 was it i'm trying to remember the numbers now 84 99 and then 85. Mm-hmm. So this is this one is the weakest of the latest ones of the shutter VHS ones. I don't think it's as strong as those. Um, I think it's probably on par with the first two movies. Viral just kind of doesn't exist in this series. It's <laughs> it's like the weird stepchild of the VHS franchise. It's just the one that's I don't know, no one talks about. Yeah. Anyway, this one, uh, I, I think it has one of the best wraparound segments of the entire VHS series. Uh, the wraparound segment's directed by David Bruckner. And it's about this like documentary team 
that uh, has this like scientific experiment that they're 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 watching and doing a documentary on, and it's like a shapeshifter blobish kind of thing. So basically, like they're doing a documentary on it, and it ends with like the thing gets out. <laughs> I'm like, that's 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 perfect. Uh, my favorite overall segment, though, I think a lot of people. They're saying a lot of people are talking about it's the uh, uh, sorry, I'm trying to pull up the names of them because they don't put them in the movie. I wish they would. They, yeah, they put them at the end of the movie. Uh, th there's a two part segment in this VHS. Yeah, so I started this one. Okay, like I've started VHS 85. I watched the first segment that I've heard has a second part later. Yes. I did not like the first part. Like I, I thought the first part was terrible. Um, not terrible, but like it wasn't what I wanted in a VHS. No, segment. not at like all. at all. At all. It was it was too it was like real life violence. And I was just yeah. like, I don't need to watch this. Like yeah. this is and the second part it's it's not like a total follow-up to that first part, though. It's it's from like the other perspective. Oh, really? Yeah, and you understand why that group was attacked. So I'll, I'll kind of leave it at. Okay. Okay. It's interesting um, more than it is. Like I liked it. It's more interesting than it is like entertaining, I guess. Okay. And then I also watched the second segment, which I liked, but I thought it was too long for what it was. That's the, uh, the one during like the earthquake, right? Yeah. I just yeah, thought it took I... too long getting to the payoff. Exactly. And the payoff yeah. felt too much like other VHS segments for me. Okay. See, and that wasn't something that bothered me because I haven't seen a whole lot. Yeah. Um, so I, I liked the ending. I liked the payoff. I was just like, I feel like it took too long getting here. Yeah. Uh, my favorite one, though, is the Scott Derrickson one. It's, it's kind I've of heard the one that's I've, good. I've been looking forward to the most. It's so cool that Shudder got Scott Derrickson to do a segment in a v yeah. VHS movie, especially now in his career. Like this feels like if around sinister time he did a segment, it would have been a no brainer. He's done Doctor Strange. He had yeah. one of the biggest horror movies last year with the Black Phone. Mm -hmm. He's working on that sequel, so it's so cool to have him like just do a little segment. It's my favorite one. It's about like this. It's like shot from like the point of view of a serial killer, but it's all someone's dreams, and like oh. their their dreams predict like what. Like the kill, like how the killer kills all these people. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a it's okay. very weird segment. You'll like this one. It's it's a lot of fun. okay. I do want to finish it. Like yeah. I didn't I didn't dislike what I saw. I was at least intrigued, and I do want to go back. I just mm -hmm. haven't gotten around to it yet. So yeah, it's fun. You'll like that at least that one. I think. Okay. Uh, next up is a movie, like I said, it's not on Shudder yet. It will be soon. I'm not going to say too much about it because we'll talk about it in uh, our next episode between you or I. Yeah. I finally watched Suitable Flesh, the latest yeah. from uh, uh, Joe Lynch starring Barbara Crampton uh, and Heather Graham. This movie is, it's great. I liked it a lot. Um, maybe I won't say it's great. I liked it a lot. I think it's very, very good. Yeah. I think there was, a, I needed a little bit more from it. Yeah, I can see that. It's uh, so I feel I feel like I like movie I don't know. 
I just I have a I have an affinity for like little scrappy punk rock movies that maybe have bigger ideas than what they're actually reaching for. Yes. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like this falls into that perfectly. Um I just I don't know. Yeah. I totally understand people's like it's it's a flawed movie, but oh my god, I just I connected with it so well. I, I yeah, I, I mean, I still gave it three and a half stars. I really yeah. liked it. It might it more than likely will end up on my top ten list of the year. Um, the the performances are incredible. I loved everyone mm-hmm. in this movie. Heather Graham is great in it. Yeah, this is like a uh, it's like a sexy '90s erotic thriller. Yeah, if like Brian De Palma and Stuart Gordon both directed it. Yeah. It's just this this complete like love letter to both of those filmmakers. I think a mm-hmm. lot of people are talking about the Stuart Gordon because it was made for like Stuart was right. going to direct this at some point, and that's why Barbara's basically held on to it for, for this long. And yeah. yeah, I think Joe Lynch is kind of the perfect guy to do this. I would love to see him do more Stuart Gordon-esque adaptations, more of the Lovecraft type of stuff. I think yeah, perfect for that. And I, I think this won't be the last time we see Barbara in Joe Lynch work together either. Oh God, no! They clearly, I feel like they clearly have a lot of love for each other. Yeah. Um, I think they both had a had a blast uh, working on this together, and yeah, mm-hmm. I I would be surprised if this was the last time they collaborated. Yeah, we'll talk about that more on on our uh, best of best of the year episode. Yeah. Uh, and then my last thing, we both watched Joe Bob's Creepy Christmas over on Shutter. <laughs> yes. It was. This is my favorite thing, my favorite Joe Bob show to watch. The last two years we've watched it together. um, And it's always like my favorite thing to watch because it's, there's something different about it than even just the regular Joe Bob shows. I know they do like the, it's, they do like the, the The charity, charity auctions. They do the selling of like Joe Bob's merch to raise money for those charities as well. And I think it just has, I don't know. I like that vibe. And I think it's I do like, too. it feels more, more communal based that way. And it feels like, oh, I need to watch this live because I need to see what's revealed in that auction. And I need to see, yep. you know, where the bids are at, you know, in between breaks in the movie. And that's something we we did. We threw a little, little movie party to watch it. The first movie yep. was The Brain, movie I'd never heard of before. Yeah. Neither one of us. This, yeah. this almost like a Stuart Gordon movie, like a Canadian, yeah. right? It was Canadian, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. It felt very like, yeah, it was like, it was definitely in that, that class of like Yuzna and, and Gordon and yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like Cohen, Larry Cohen type mm-hmm. of movie. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not as good as those. It's definitely going for those vibes. It's a fun watch. It's a really fun watch. It is a bad, it's a bad movie. The brain is a bad movie. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I loved it. Would never call from beyond a reanimator. Oh, it's a bad movie with bad actors in it. And I would never call like reanimator or from beyond bad, but the brain is a bad movie that is highly entertaining to watch. I still gave this movie three stars. I had a blast. Yeah. Watching. It's, but I was laughing at it sometimes more than like something like reanimator where you're re- laughing with it. Yeah. Okay. That, that is fair. Yeah. I feel like sometimes though my like I have a disconnect with that where like even if I'm laughing at the movie like 
I feel like I always just assume it's on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Even when I'm watching something like The Room, where I know, like, this is not on purpose, I still feel like I'm laughing at it because it's doing, it's got to be doing this on purpose. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know. It's a weird thing with my brain that makes, like, it makes me give things like the brain four stars. It makes me get, you know, like it makes me give the uninvited, yeah. which is about, you know, like the killer cat. Um, it, it makes me give something like that, like a high rating because it's like, God, it was so bad, but I had so much fun watching it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's so a, yeah, I, mean, I, it's one I of really love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those movies. I'm so glad we watch it, Joe Bob, because I had so yes. much more fun, I think, than, if I would have just like sat at home and been like, all right, what's the brain? Let's put this on. Oh, for sure. There's, there's always something, there's a little bit of a Joe Bob bump that comes with any movie. He, yeah. he like, I've watched some real stinkers with Joe Bob that I've given three stars, had really fond memories of, then tried to go back to and went, this is unwatchable without <laughs> Joe Bob interjecting. Joe Bob yeah. I don't think the brain is going to be that for me, but <laughs> no, it's better than quite a few of Joe Bob's movies that he's previously played. Yeah. I think it's better than the, the second part. I've seen this movie a bunch. It's the second movie Joe Bob played was uh, the ginger dead man from full moon. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was just super excited that again, he was playing a full moon movie and kind of get some behind the scenes on that. Robin Sidney, the star of it. And Charlie Band's brand new wife. Congratulations to the two of them. Yes. Uh, apparently, this was shot like right after the wedding too, because they talk about the wedding on the show and the fact that Joe Bob was officiating their wedding. Oh wow! So they must have like so very recently filmed this. I'd be very curious when they film this. I assume they probably film these on like a Monday, Tuesday to air on a Friday. On, on that Friday. Yeah, that's what I would assume. Yeah. Anyway, Ginger Dead Man, like this movie, it's not very good. <laughs> no. The, but it's, it's got Gary Busey. <laughs> he's the worst part of it. I don't like him in this movie. He's he's like peak, like, I don't like you, Gary Busey, in this yeah. movie. Uh yeah. Kayla, as soon as she saw that it was Ginger Dead Man, she was out because she does not like Gary Busey at all. <laughs> um yeah, this movie it, it, it's it's in need of a major upgrade in terms of the quality of the movie like the the standard definition that this is shot on from 2004 or whatever five yeah, but the problem it's is so it was shot on it's so it bad. was shot on a digicam like there's yeah. no way to upgrade that footage there's yeah. no way to like so what really... we're saying is bring gary Busey back let's refilm all of ginger <laughs> dead man shot for shot bring in gus van stance he can do it he's done it before <laughs> Ginger Dead Man, yeah. Charlie's version. Yeah, Vince. Do Vaughn, the Taylor Swift thing. <laughs> if you can't, if you can't get to Gary Busey to come back because he's like in trouble for stuff now, bring in Vince Vaughn. Yeah, bring in Vince That's Vaughn. Yeah, Vince Vaughn's not in trouble for anything that I know I, of. No, no. He'll I don't be have in to. Trouble. I don't. I don't have well, to destroy my Wedding Crashers Blu-ray yet. No, not yet. Uh, he, he'll he'll be in trouble when he does Ginger Dead Man too, because his fans will revolt. Uh, but anyway, that's it. That's it for my doobie doing. What about you, Sam? What have you been doobie doing lately? Uh, so after you spoke so highly of it, I did end up going and seeing Godzilla minus one. It is as good as everybody was saying it is. Um, holy crap! This movie is like working on a whole different level mm -hmm. than uh, 
a lot of the blockbusters this year. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. You said it all on the last episode, but, uh, this is, this is great. It's, uh, it tugs at the heartstrings. The Godzilla stuff is terrifying. Like you said, most of the, uh, Godzilla action actually takes place on the water. The wooden boat attack sequence is maybe the most scared I have been in any movie this year. Um, it was terrifying. It's terrifying. I, I, I was, scary. yeah. And he is like, it's so weird. It's one of the very few Godzilla movies. Like, honestly, the only other one I can think of is the 54 one where you don't want Godzilla to show up Yeah, because like, it's a bad just, thing. Like you care about the characters and you do not want to see them. And this one does that so beautifully. The post-war story is incredible. Um, I did I did actually look into the minus one title because I was confused by that. So apparently, after the war, after the bomb hit Hiroshima, they considered that like Tokyo zero. Like they were at ground zero and they were rebuilding from there. So the title is actually like a way of saying like Godzilla is the next thing after the bomb to knock them down even further than zero. And I just, with that, like, I'm like, God, that's such a like emotionally resonant title. That's going to be lost on so many people. So I just wanted to share that out on the cast. Cause I, I just, I thought that was really cool. Um, we'll talk about that more next episode. Yeah, we will. Yeah. yeah. I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have gushed about it so much because I'm, I literally saved another one for next week or for the next episode. Um, and I almost did the same with this one, but I did want to talk about uh, how I saw it in the theater. It got extended in theaters. Um, it's doing incredible at the box office. It was top three in the box office, I think two weeks in a row. Yeah. And uh, it had the lowest, it had one of the lowest drops of the year um, from weekend one to weekend two. It only dropped 27%, which is incredible like unheard of um yeah i'm just so it's so cool and then the number one movie um this past weekend was the boy and the heron the latest uh my uh, my oh, Zaki stu- movie. studio ghibli movie studio yeah. ghibli yeah so like we literally had two japanese films in the u.s top five top three um at the I box that- office which is so cool I think so that's cool. part of a bigger discussion that maybe we don't need to have on this episode. Maybe we can do it mm-hmm. next time on what people are wanting to see in movies anymore, yeah. especially with the marvelization of Hollywood. Absolutely. Don't th- you kind yeah. of feel a shift? Yeah. It, it really feels like the second half of this year, there has been a major shift. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about that more next time. Yeah, we will. We will. Um, I have a couple of kind of horror adjacent ones that I watched that I want to talk about. I finally watched Violent Night. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved another this killer movie. Santa Claus movie. Yeah, another killer Santa Claus movie. Like Santa Claus as a Nordic warrior, as like an ancient Nordic warrior carrying a giant hammer. He calls the Skull Crusher. Like, holy shit! Give me ten more of these movies. Um, I'm a big fan of Tommy Wirkola. I just bought the first dead snow on dvd it's the only one of his movies that i haven't seen i've seen dead snow 2 and everything since um i really love him as a director i thought his hansel and gretel witch hunters was really fun um 
I'm surprised it took me a whole year to get to this movie. I'm so glad I did. This will be an every year watch. Um, John Leguizamo's in it. He's one of my favorite character actors. Um, if you're going to have a villain in this type of movie, there's like no one always you be can John get that's better than him. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, it, he has one of the best villain deaths I've ever seen in a movie. It's so out of nowhere and just like, what? <laughs> um, yeah, I love this one. Uh, Marry My Dead Body is a movie I watched recently on Netflix. It is a Chinese film that is part horror, part action, part LGBTQ drama, part comedy, part murder mystery. Like, pick a genre and this movie is it at some point in its runtime. It's like ADHD the movie. Um, it starts off like a big, like almost lethal weapon style action thriller. And then this very homophobic and like sexist cop is given an envelope by a couple of old ladies while he is trying to collect evidence in the park. And essentially he is told he has to marry a ghost who is a dude <laughs> or bad luck will befall upon him. And he like blows it off and then in a really humorous scene, like gets annihilated by traffic and a bunch of other horrible things happen. It's really funny. Um, so the setup to this is like, he's a homophobic cop. He's basically forced into doing the ceremonial marriage to a very flamboyant male ghost. And the last like 20 minutes turn into a total melodrama. That's just like, it's a left turn out of nowhere. You're just like, but it kind of is just like, at that point, the movie's taken so many of those left turns. It's like, what's another one more? I don't know if I like loved this movie or even liked it, but it was one of the most interesting movies I've seen all year. I really applaud it for being just like batshit insane from minute one to the final. Like, I, And I laughed quite a bit. Uh, with it, not at it, sometimes at it, but mostly with it. Um, it's, I don't know. It was good. It was really good. I, I enjoyed it. It's a little long for what it is, but like, yeah, it's a wild ride. You're not going to find another movie like it. So wor worth a shot. That's Marry My Dead Body on Netflix. Killer title. I don't like yeah, it's a good title. It's what made me click on it, right? Like, <laughs> you're like, oh God, what is this? <laughs> So, and then uh, my last thing that I did, I rewatched uh, Kong Skull Island. Um, the Godzilla vs. Kong trailer just has me in a very, and just, you know, obviously Godzilla minus one. I've been in a big kaiju mood. I've had a kaiju movie on in the background pretty much consistently um, whenever I've been doing household chores. Um, but I actually did sit down and watch Kong Skull Island um, for the first time in a while. I you pro I think you disagree with me on this. To me, this is the best monster verse movie. Um, no, I absolutely one hundred percent the best monster. Okay, okay, okay. By a, by a long shot, and I like Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah, yeah, I I do too. Like I like 
I like all of the Godzilla movies. I just don't like them nearly as much as Kong Skull Island. Um, I think this one is the first one, like the only one really that has human characters that I actually care about. Some of them are still on the underwritten and kind of bland side, but like you've got John C. Riley, John Goodman, Samuel Jackson, like even though a lot of them are given just like archetypes, they're elevating these characters. The Kong like action is incredible. The helicopter sequence where he's taking out all those helicopters is just like some of the coolest monster stuff that we've gotten in a mainstream action movie. And I, I don't even, I don't know. Like I, I love this movie. I, uh, I, kind of wish that they would have kept giving movies to Jordan vote Roberts after this one. Um, just because I really think he killed it. Um, but yeah, Kong skull Island rules. It does rule. I've been meaning to go on a, uh, like Godzilla binge after minus one, because it's, it's a big blind spot. Um, mm-hmm. this was the first Japanese Godzilla movie I had ever seen. It was minus oh, really? One. Yeah. I still, I've never seen the original Godzilla. Oh, dude, you would love it. If you liked Godzilla yeah. minus one, you would love the 54 one. They yeah. they feel like I thought like about watching it films. The, the night after or the, like after we came home from minus one. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I've heard it's very similar in tone. So I'm like, I don't I don't think I can handle yeah. them back to back. So we put on Give Godzilla. Space. We, we put on Godzilla 2000, which is not that tone at all. And we watched like <laughs> no. the first 20 minutes before we went to bed. It was awesome. Um, so I'm excited yeah. to go back to it and binge watch some of the other Godzilla movies. Yeah, yeah. I uh we'll do a Godzilla episode in 2024. It's gonna happen. Yeah, we will. We will. Um the the 54 Godzilla, it's a very somber movie. Um and it's it's like yeah, it, it tugs at the heartstrings at the end too. It's it's mm-hmm. uh it's a it's a it's an emotional movie. It's pretty great. S- same with the 1998 Matthew Broderick film. It's an emotional movie. Oh, God, Broderick pulls on your heartstrings in that movie. <laughs> no lie i i unabashedly so have i talked about the i think i talked about this on the show how like my parents did not take me to see that in theaters even though i begged them to and then i just never got it on vhs so like it it took me like as a kid that was like the holy grail of like i am gonna watch that movie someday and i watched it like a year ago for the first time on vhs Oh my god, it's 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 a terrible movie, but it was yeah. a perfect experience. I loved it so much. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, and it was one hundred percent just because it was like I'd been waiting for it for twenty years. Like I was gonna love it regardless. <laughs> yeah. We love you, Matthew Broderick. We love you. we do we do love you, Matthew Broderick. All right, well that is it for Doobie Doing. Let's get into our killer Santa double feature. Then we're gonna kick yeah. things off. 1980s Christmas Evil. You better watch out. Uh, written, directed by Lewis Jackson. Sam, Christmas Evil. This is about. I mean, this is. I've been. I, I, I've like been looking stuff up on this movie, and I've seen quite a few reviews on it saying, "Oh, this isn't a horror movie. I don't know why it's on Shutter. I don't know why people would classify this as a horror movie." One. It's 100% a horror movie. It's yeah. just a, it's a character study horror movie, more like Maniac. I don't I, I wouldn't call Taxi Driver a horror movie, but it's more in that yeah. in that vein than I mean it it's is the like, same as like something like a fade to black. Right? Yeah. Sorry. I stepped yeah. on your toes. There. No, you're good. 
That's yeah. yeah that's um, I mean, it's it's a character study that has elements of horror, especially in the final acts of the movie. Yeah, I mean, because it does. It turns into a slasher movie in the mm-hmm. third act. Like it's it. The, I mean, it's a Santa murdering people with an axe. I don't know how you don't consider that a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's the same as something like a Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Like, yeah. you know, you're just you're following an unsavory person doing unsavory things and it's horrifying. There are a lot of uncomfortable moments in this movie. Yeah. It's so just the, an uncomfortable one in general. The film follows Harry, who's a, I don't know, 50, 40, late forties, early 50 something uh, year old man who works at a toy shop. He is obsessed with Santa Claus. He, he believes he, he is he, Santa he Claus. Believes he is Santa Claus, or at least believes that he's like, a he version of Santa, yeah, a version yeah. of Santa Claus, um, and this stems from his childhood, where he and his brother saw Santa Claus come down from the chimney and de- deliver them presents. And he sneaks down later that night to find Santa Claus violating his mother, basically his dad in costume and his mom. You know having, what's crazy, dude? Yeah, I just thought of this. We picked two killer Santa movies with prominent oral sex scenes. Yes. <laughs> This is also a prequel to the Always Sunny Christmas special because this is the same thing that Charlie Day, uh, Charlie Kelly saw there too. It is. Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, Yeah. And then the film follows Harry as an adult who, again, like Sam said, believes he's Santa Claus and goes around town trying to spread some Christmas cheer, uh, share presents with the needy, kill off people who make fun of him because he's Santa Claus. Typical Santa things. Yeah, typical Santa things. If you're Santa and someone doesn't believe in you, you're not going to just put them on the naughty list. You're going to kill them with an axe in front of their loved ones outside of a church. Yes. <laughs> you're going to take a, uh, a, a a toy soldier and stab someone in the eye with it. That's what you're <laughs> do. So, Sam, was this a first time? So this was a first time watch for me. Yeah, I I'd actually picked this up like years ago on voodoo like it was okay. before it was before it was on shutter or maybe it was on shutter i don't know it was five dollars on one of those like weekend sales on voodoo and i was like anytime i see a horror movie i'm even mildly interested in for five dollars on voodoo i'll snag it and so this has been in my library forever but i'd never hit play on it so when you were like we should do christmas evil i was like hell yeah let's do it i've been meaning to check it off I liked this. I don't know if I loved it, but I liked it quite a bit. Um, it's it's a much more somber movie than I was expecting. Like, it's not as it's not cheesy. I don't think. Mm-mm. I don't think anything about this movie is cheesy. Um, it's not very campy. Like, it's it's all played pretty serious and. Uh, and it's anchored by a really compelling lead performance. Uh, I I really like the uh, the lead in this. I forget his name. Um, uh, Brandon Maggart plays a lead. Yeah, Harry Stadling. Yeah, yeah he's, he's just he's movie. so good. Um, yeah. so you've seen this before? Yeah, I've seen this. Uh, this is a few years ago, probably right around when it like first came on Shutter that I watched okay. it and. Uh, 
I've I've watched bits and pieces other times, like when it comes on Shutter TV, and I've caught like bits and pieces of the movie. It just has that vibe of like I want to watch ten minutes of this movie before I go and pick whatever Something movie I'm going to watch on on Shutter. Yeah, yeah. And I just like the vibe of this movie. Like you said, it's somber, but it also gives me that like classic Christmas vibe. This movie does black. It's Christmas like if does. it's a wonderful life just ended with uh, Jimmy, <laughs> with Jimmy Stewart being like, "No, I am gonna kill myself." Yeah, like... I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> kill myself and everyone else in this town too. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, that's that's the vibe of this movie. It has that like Christmas story, classic Christmas feel to it. Yeah, yeah. It's weird because it's like a warm and cozy movie while also not yes. being warm and cozy at all. <laughs> while being like a, di- a dissection of this guy losing his mind and believing he's Santa Claus and killing all the adults in this town. Yeah, yeah, it's, oh God, it's crazy. And even before he starts like killing, there's just this uneasiness to the whole thing because like he's literally keeping tabs on the neighborhood kids. Mm-hmm. Like, which especially in today's day and age is just like such a, like, I don't know if this movie, like I looked at Maria about halfway through watching this and I was like, I would love to take a crack at remaking this, but I also don't know how you remake this in this day and age with like where we've gone (laughs) in the past few years you know what i mean yeah um harry would become instantly creepier than he already is in this movie and he is pretty creepy pretty much from the get-go of this movie Mm -hmm. where like you said he's using but he's on the top of he's he's on the roof of his apartment building looking at the kids who live on the apartment building across the street with binoculars and like spying on each kid, seeing if they're naughty or nice. And he finds like, like one girl is just playing with her doll. Yeah. And like, he's like, that's like his favorite. And like, <laughs> there's the kid with the dirty magazine. Yeah. The, the kid the with naughty the naughty one with the penthouse magazine who, who has one of the great lines later on in the movie where he, Harry asks the kids what they, what they want for Christmas. And <laughs> he has he, an annual penthouse, subscription. an annual penthouse subscription. Like that kid knows where he's going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that kid was funny. And then his his mom is just like there's the there's the scene where Harry's like literally outside the apartment building hiding in the bushes yeah. and the kid's like trying to tell Great. his mom that there's someone and oh god, it's just yeah, everything involving that kid is just mm-hmm. A plus material. Yeah. Really good stuff. Yeah, like we said though, so I want to get your interpretation on the opening of this movie. Yeah, because and how it connects spoilers for Christmas Evil. We're going to get into spoilers for this movie. So people who have not watched this yet, go watch it on Shudder right now. Anyway, the beginning and the end of this movie are the most fantastical parts of this. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about the ending later. But at the beginning, what do you think Harry actually saw? Did Santa Claus, the real Santa Claus, come down his chimney that night? Give, Give him and his brother presents. And then go down on his mom, or was it just his dad in a Santa costume? So the way I read it was, it was how his young mind interpreted it. I do think it was his dad. Yeah, but I I think he definitely like as a kid thought it was the real Santa, and they even talk later, like later in the movie, it's 
revealed that like the brother told him like oh santa's just dead or whatever and like he's trying to say you know like don't blame that on me all that but yeah the way i interpreted it was was like he saw santa but it was really just his dad but in his kid mind he's making those connections and making those leaps in logic to like oh santa just came right out of the chimney um that type of thing Mm-hmm. which lends to the dreamlike state the ending we'll talk about it we'll, we'll, yeah we'll, save we'll the talk end. about I it <laughs> i want to save but the yeah ending. how did you how do you read that yeah the real life santa claus can, no again it's it's <laughs> yeah. it's all his childhood interpretation of it and that leads into the rest of the movie especially the re- relationship he has with his brother um where his brother right away is like, that's that's BS. Like, mom and dad give us presents. Santa isn't real type mm-hmm. of thing. And then when they're adults 40 years later or whatever, the brother still has that, like, same feelings towards him, towards Harry. Mm-hmm. Of he's a loser. He's he's the black sheep of the family. Every time I he comes over for Christmas or Thanksgiving, we get into an argument over something because the brother can't keep his mouth shut. Yeah. And I think that's, it's, it's one of the most interesting parts of the movie. I think it's a little underwritten. The brother is. Yeah. I don't feel like we spend enough time with him. Yeah. Um, We don't spend enough time with him. Like wrestling, wrestling with that fact of like, Oh, is my brother a crazy person or does he just like Santa Claus a lot? Yeah. It's more of like, no, right away, it's a crazy person. And then at the end of the movie, when it's revealed, Harry is this Santa Claus that's been killing people all over town. Immediately, his brother, um, is it Peter? Philip. Uh, Philip, yeah. It's like, I knew you. I knew it was you. I knew you did this. And it's like, how did he come to that conclusion so fast? Yeah, it, it just. It's a little too quick. It feels underdeveloped. And one thing that I don't know if it was intentional or not but i found it really funny that the casting for both the brother's mom in the intro and then philip's wife looked remarkably similar and i don't know if that was kind of <sighs> so like i didn't ca- every I didn't time the, the wife is that they looked like each other no oh so like i mean i kind of the mama brunette like... Oh, maybe she is. I don't know. They're just like, I feel like the costuming is similar. Like they're wearing similar slips when they're introduced. Um, The way they're framed. Like, I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like maybe I'm reading way too much into this, but I felt like both the wife, the way she was framed and then their mother, the way they, like she was framed in the, in the opening scene were very similar. Like, and I don't know if that was meant to imply that like Philip also hadn't quite like he had his own type of like mental problems stemming from that night or I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah. giving this movie too much credit. I have how, no idea how, how they shoot. The staircase is very similar. From, yeah. From Philip's house to the childhood house. It, it's very similar how they frame that staircase, especially at the end of the movie. Where you have yes. the wife on the staircase mm-hmm. while the brothers are having their argument. It's pretty much the exact same shot as earlier in the movie where um, 
the two boys are on the on the stairs with their mom looking at Santa Claus. Right. And I just, I don't know. I guess I feel like maybe there was a little bit of a, like maybe an edible commentary on it, you know, mm -hmm. where it's like the brother hadn't quite moved on from that night either type of yeah. thing, but who knows something in the psyche of both of those boys. This is why whoever has the rights to this movie should let me remake it because I'll dive deep into that shit. <laughs> well, here's here's the interesting thing that this movie doesn't do. And you said this earlier, it's not sleazy and it's yeah. not and it's not campy. And I think that's where it could because a lot of these other slasher movies that open with like some sort of like sexual awakening for the young boy and then now he's the adult and he grows up to be the the serial killer. They'll have some sort of sexual element to it. They yeah. never touch on that here. No, it, it it's, it's almost smart. like it's yeah, yeah. Like it stays away from that, mm -hmm. especially for like Harry. Yes. But I feel like the brother character, like if that had been explored more, there might have been something there. With yeah, if how yeah. the brother maybe interpreted some of this stuff. Yeah. But like, but otherwise I agree. Like yeah. it's almost like a miracle on 34th Street type of thing where it's just like this down on his luck Santa. Um who just, you know, in this one, mm -hmm. instead of just accidentally whapping a guy with a cane, he intentionally stabs people with an axe. Yeah. Um <laughs> or toys. Or toys. Yeah, so when, when Harry grows up, he goes and works at a toy factory. Mm -hmm. And he on this Christmas, he is promoted to... He's off the like assembly line, and he's now promoted to some sort of management position. Yep. And while he's there, one of the line employees at the factory convinces Harry that if he misses working on the line so much, he should take his night shift so he can spend time with his wife. Mm-hmm. And Harry goes to find out that later that night, after he's off work and has taken this guy's shift, that this guy's hanging out at the bar with yep. some of the other factory workers and saying how much of a schmuck Harry is for believing him and taking his position. And pretty much how, like, no one at that job, on on the level he used to be at, of a line worker, respects him now that he's in a higher position and yep. how much they didn't respect him at all in the first place just being another another one of the factory workers. And that yeah. goes into play how he how he interacts with the other higher ups at this toy company at a at a Christmas party later on in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. And that's again, uh, that's kind of the catalyst for this character of like almost his breaking point is is two parts here of like working on the line, realizing no one else likes him and no one respects him. And then when he, he has that Christmas party and the other higher-ups at this toy company basically say, well, it's kind of up to all the employees to buy toys. We're only going to donate a certain amount, undisclosed amount. That's not yeah. up for us to decide, even though there's so many kids that you could use these presents and it's not going to hurt this company's bottom dollar anyway. Yeah. Yeah, this is very like... It's a very anti, I mean, like most of the best Christmas movies, it's a very anti-capitalist movie. Yeah. Like it's, it's not on the side of the higher ups in the toy company at all. 
Um, one of my favorite, one of my favorite sequences in this is what is right after that party where he just decides, screw it, and he takes all the toys, and he just deliver, he just donates all the toys that he has yep. on the line currently to the hospital, no questions asked. Um, yeah, I just, I kind of dig how. Uh, it comments on the capitalism of it and at the same time is not about that at all. Like it's just, it's kind of seasoning. It's like little things. Yeah. It's also interesting. Is Harry a bad guy? Yeah. yeah like it toys that around brings up with that, that question. Yeah. Because in that, I don't, I don't think Harry's a bad guy. I think Harry is, Someone who has 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 many issues, mm-hmm. a lot of them stemming. He from He needs psychiatric help. He needs, yeah, he needs to he needs to see a therapist. I mean, I, and, and that's would probably help him a whole bunch. He has a lot of things <laughs> he's trying to work through. He he skips out on seeing his fan his only family that he has, which is his brother, his brother's wife, and his two nephews. He skips out on seeing them because he sees Santa Claus is going to be in the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Like, yeah. that's how much this guy is obsessed with Santa Claus. And the idea of, like, missing Santa Claus on TV that day, he he can't function then. He wouldn't be able to function if he didn't see Santa Claus on TV that day. Yeah. Yeah. It, but, it, just... but does that make him a bad person? No, that makes him a person who has issues that need to be resolved and worked out. And as we see later on, especially with kids, he is perfectly fine and normal. Yeah. He's giving them all presents. He, again, it's creepy, but he pays attention to the kids and how they're mm-hmm. interacting and gives them advice, especially later on in the movie. He's at another Christmas party that he gets invited to when he's dressed up as Santa yep. and leaves the kids with the, with a message of like, listen to your parents, listen to your teachers, do good things. And if you don't, I'm going to give you something really bad in return. Yeah. Yeah. That's an ominous message, but it's also a, a well-intended message. Yeah, he, he, I'm gonna, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, alienate some people by saying this. He doesn't kill anybody in this movie that doesn't kind of deserve it. You know, in a sense. Well, I don't think any of them deserve it. Well, maybe not deserve killing, but like, okay, okay. They deserve a a punishment. Yes. Some sort of He doesn't, he doesn't kill anyone who has not in turn also done something wrong. Yeah. Um, he just has a very sick sense of justice yeah. um, and, and, and punishment. Uh, so, okay. Yes. Whatever. Um, I said that wrong to begin with. Um. <laughs> Again, it goes into a psyche of like, he doesn't know how to talk to people and interact with people. Yeah. He doesn't know how to, again, none of the people, all of these things could have been resolved with a conversation between him and whoever wronged him, between him yeah. and his boss, between him and him and his coworker, between him and the random guy he meets outside the church and stabs in the eye. Conversation. Right. Instead, he's like, no, nah, I'm going to kill these people. <laughs> and Complete that's, extremes. Yeah. It's just someone, like, he clearly hasn't had anyone who has 
taught him any valuable social skills. Yeah. Like, I guess mom and dad were too busy uh, role playing sixty nine and, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, yeah, it's a sad movie because like you just you follow this character who throughout like I'd say seventy five percent of his actions while sometimes a little um, socially awkward Mm -hmm. are coming from a good place. It's just, there's that 25% where like his, his twisted sense of like of right and wrong kicks in and he overcorrects. And so by the end of this movie, like, it's a little bit like it, the the end when the mob happens and like they have the pitchforks and they're, mm-hmm. they're like, they've got the torches. It's very reminiscent of like Frankenstein from 1931 yeah. where you actually are like, Oh God, like I know that he's done not great things, but like they, he doesn't need, he doesn't need fire. He just needs a little help. Like, yeah. Oh God, just have some, just have some Christmas empathy, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't know. I was looking up a, a an interview Lewis Jackson, the director, did about this movie, and that's he brought up Frankenstein. He's like, I this oh. movie's not it's not Halloween. It's not. I wasn't trying to rip off John Carpenter and do a Christmas version of Halloween. He's like, I was making a Frankenstein's monster movie with Santa Claus. Oh God, that's and that makes awesome. this movie make so much sense. And yeah, like you said, especially in that third act. Again, one of my favorite parts. I love the mob chase sequence where finally the townspeople figure out it's this one santa claus and we need to yep. get him before he gets our children even though this santa claus has been nothing but great to all the children yeah has given them all toys or has given them a lesson on why you need to be better so you can get toys <laughs> or in the case of the kid who just wants a penthouse magazine a sack full of dirt <laughs> yeah yeah also it's re- so there's a sequence where where he's like watching that kid with the the kid who wants the penthouse magazine where he yep. like puts his handprints on the wall and like oh like kiss, yeah kisses it too i don't understand that it's weird it's yeah. really weird i don't either i i thought that was kind of strange too um cuz they focus on like the stuff he left behind at the end and you almost think it's like oh maybe the mom's going to see it and notice something's yeah. up but then it just never goes back to it like, like it's, it's supposed just, to look like a, a like a reindeer. Like I don't know what. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Like Santa was like Santa was here. Yeah, I guess. I it's don't like know. his zodiac that's... sign, but it's. A <laughs> it's his zodiac <laughs> sign. <laughs> if he did it on more houses, it would make sense. But he only does oh, it God. one time. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the only bad kid, though. That we see in the movie. Yeah, we that maybe we see in the movie. More bad yeah. Kids that he yeah. leave his reindeer sign on well and that's one thing that i liked about that scene is like the movie kind of sets it up as like attention based like oh god what's he gonna do to the naughty kid you know the movie's called christmas evil like Uh you're like i've seen 80s movies where they just kill kids like it happens right and so the whole time i was just expecting him to like you know kill a kid who just you know wanted a little bit of penthouse Mm -hmm. um and so and all he does to the kid is just scare him. Literally just scare yeah. him. Like, I'm hiding in the bushes and boo. 
Like, yeah, he scares him and they leaves him a bag of dirt. That's yeah. it. That's that's the extent of it. And I just I don't know. I think that's kind of brilliant, actually. That's mm-hmm. a brilliant move on this movie's part. All right. I want to talk about the ending. Let's get to okay. the ending of this movie and our interpretations. Yeah. This the ending of this movie is bonkers, insane, crazy of Christmas Evil. It comes out of nowhere. First time I watched it, I literally threw my hands up in the air of like, oh my god, I love this ending. What is what is your thoughts on the ending and what is your interpretation of the ending? My so- interpretation is just what the movie <laughs> gives me. Is like, okay, so we just flies off into the night he is santa now like what harry as he's dressed as santa has like this old creeper van that he's painted to have santa sleigh on the back on the on the side of the van that's what he's been driving around this entire time while he's on his murderous killing spree and at the end of the movie the mob chases him and he eventually like drives off a cliff and his his Santa's sleigh takes off and fly like flies towards the moon. It yeah. basically says this, you know, the Santa line of Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to all, to all and to all a good night. To all a good night. Yeah, and, and that's how the ends. movie ends. Yeah, it's yes. so weird. And like Incredible. his brother is his brother who's been chasing him down, trying to save him or whatever, yeah. is just like looking up in awe, and it's just like so. My interpretation of the movie is that he became Santa Claus and flew <laughs> off into the night yeah. because that's th- like that's what the and, movie says. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just yeah. I don't know. I it's it's an insane ending. I love mm-hmm. it. I love the ending. I think it's incredible. I think it's maybe the best part of the whole thing. But yeah, I just I don't know. It's mm-hmm. weird. It's weird. Yeah, my inter yeah, my interpretation is the same as you. It, he's he's he actually got turned into Santa Claus, and that's his sleigh, and he then becomes Santa Claus in every Coca Cola commercial since uh, nineteen eighty. <laughs> and Santa Claus is going to show up on your roof in a van, in yep. a panel van painted with a sled. <laughs> he he he's not getting down that fireplace that fireplace though. We saw this Santa. He can't get down there. No. Definitely. Not. Uh, John Barnes, buddy John Barnes, <laughs> chiming in here. Uh, I think he is so. Um, oh my gosh, what is that word? In ensconced. Ensconced. I've never heard that. Okay, <laughs> I learned something new tonight. Thank you, John. Uh, and the Santa persona that uh, we are seeing what is going on in his mind, and even if he got put in jail, uh, that would be his toy factory. So basically, all that was in his mind, and it's in his interpretation of what happened by the end of the night yeah that's 100 percent what happened that, it's yeah it, it's harry's interpretation again like the beginning of the movie he believed that the real life santa claus came down his chimney that night to give him and his brother a present and his mom a certain kind of present too at yeah. the end of the movie he presents for he, everyone i think he drove off the cliff and died like that's what i think happened no, I believe. I believe you believe he's he's Santa. <laughs> well, I do too. But in terms of logistics, I think he drove off that cliff, and that was like his final thoughts. It's people like you that are the reason that Santa has to put bags of dirt on doorsteps and can't get down chimneys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you believe people. a little harder, he'd be able to get down the chimney, Casey, and smothers people with his uh, toy sack. Yeah. God, oh, that scene is so great. I love how, like, that wife is the deepest sleeper. Mm-hmm. That wife is the deepest sleeper. Yeah. 
Oh my god. I know we jumped Your the gun. To the... getting murdered right next to you, yeah. and you're just like. <sighs> we jumped the gun to the end, but we should touch on the kill sequence. Kill se- sequences, I guess. That's a great. I think there's all all the kill sequences are pretty great. <laughs> we got a great comment from John. Yeah, uh, John bringing up. I would be pissed if I got the toys his factory made. Yeah, those were one hundred percent. They're terrible toys. Like a shitty one paint, one color of, like, of paint motorcyclist with his like head missing. I've seen I've seen Happy Meal toys that looked better constructed than yeah. those. <laughs> At least Happy Meal toys have like pole strings that you can actually make the motorcycle move. This looked like super stationary, and all you could do was take yeah. him on and off the motorcycle. <laughs> Awful toys. Yep. Awful I believe toys. I believe Harry in his management position that he was he he was entitled to would make better toys than that. I think that was <laughs> that was something he would have pushed for. Yeah, the kill sequence is though in this movie are incredible. Like yeah. getting smothered while the guy's like sleeping next to his wife. Incredible. My favorite one <laughs> is is the toy soldier like to the eye outside of oh, the church. Oh god. Yeah. And then, yeah. like him just pulling out an axe and just murdering people there. Right? Yeah, of, it's so Christmas brazen, Man. and it seemingly comes out of nowhere. Like you know, it's been building towards this, mm-hmm. but it's just so shocking that he does it in full view of like many people. Like he does it in a in front of a crowd, and then just gets in his van and drives away. Like I, f- I feel like Tim Burton ripped that scene off in his Batman movie. Yeah, he like yeah. the Joker does like the exact same thing, like on steps in front yeah. of all these people and just leaves. Tim Burton like is a Christmas Evil movie. fan confirmed. Confirmed. <laughs> he probably watched it as Better Watch Out, though. So Tim Burton is a Better Watch Out fan. Yep. But not the new bad one. I like that one. But I know you do. I know you. I know you do. That's right. <laughs> I didn't pick that one. I picked this killer. Story. I'm glad you didn't pick that one. I will cover that one with you again if you want me to. But I uh, eight years down the road, we'll do another. Yeah, Christmas I was episode. about to say I, I won't be. I won't be very glowing on that one. Yeah. I don't think unless a rewatch this? really works for me. I don't know. What about this one? How many? How many reindeer are you giving Christmas Evil? Um, I gave Christmas Evil three reindeer out of five possible reindeer. Um, I liked it. I didn't love it. I, I think that at times it's a little too slow for its own good. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, God, the the lead performance is incredible. I love the ending. I love the ending. Yeah. Um. So. It's like, it's weird as hell, but I just, I admire any movie that just in its final moments is like, screw it. Let's take a big swing and see if it lands. Even if it doesn't land, I'm going to appreciate it. You know, I think again, like I said, book, I gave this movie three and a half reindeer out of five. We cut a reindeer in half for this one. Um, (laughs) I think the, the bookends of this movie. The beginning with the with him as a boy and then him at the end flying off as Santa Claus. Perfect bookends of his warped mind and his warped fascination of, of, of Santa Claus. And I think it's perfect for this movie. Every time I watch it, this movie gets a little bit better every single time. I think the ending lands for me every, every time I watch it. I think it's a, just an incredible ending that totally fits with this. Again, like we said, this movie is very grounded for yeah. 90 minutes and all of a sudden the last 30 seconds is him <laughs> in his van flying off into the night sky saying to all uh merry christmas to all and to all a good night like 
but it totally works with the rest of the movie. Highly recommend Christmas Evil. Yeah, absolutely. I think, hot take. Black Christmas is the greatest Christmas horror movie of all time. Yeah. Oh, for but sure. Yep. I think more people need to talk about Christmas Evil in that same category. Bob Clark is number one. I think this is yeah. right in that top five. At the very least, this should be brought up in conversations before Silent Night, Deadly Night. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Should we go on to our next Killer Claws movie? That's yes. a great title. Someone should make that movie. Killer Claws. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is this is one. So you picked Christmas Evil, and I picked Joe Bagos. It's like freaking masterpiece. Uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas. This came out last year. I think I've already seen it like four or five times. Um, I watched this one a lot. Casey, I know you like this one too. Mm-hmm. This I can't remember if I, it was my favorite horror movie of last year. It was at least top two or three. Of it was in my top five for sure. Yeah. yeah, I first time I watched it when it came on Shutter last Christmas gave it four and a half stars. I loved this movie right away. I'm a huge Joe Bagos fan. I love his work. Bliss is incredible. I love VFW. I, I can't wait to see what this guy does. He just understands horror. And he has, and this is the perfect encapsulation of that punk rock attitude that he brings to the mm -hmm. genre. He has a, Joe Bagos has this interview on Charlie Band's Full Moon Freak Show podcast. And I think it might be my favorite episode of that show. It's such a good interview. It's so good. And talks, it breaks this movie down, Christmas, Bloody Christmas, especially on how he shot it on film, how long it took him to shoot on film, what type of budget that they had why it was important for Joe to shoot on film as he does with all of his movies. Mm -hmm. And this movie just has, like I said, that punk rock attitude where it's shot on film. It's grainy. It has, has like my office right now, it just has green and red in every scene, every yes. shot of this movie. It's incredible. Our leads, we got to talk about this because the internet yes. hates them for some reason. I don't get it. I and do I, not I don't, get it. We don't understand that. We do not understand okay. it. So this movie, Christmas Bloody Christmas, came out last year. It's on Shutter right now, written and directed by Joe Bagos. It is about this record store owner played by Riley Dandy. She plays Tori. Uh, mm -hmm. She owns this record store, and I think a smaller town. A well, it's, it's, it's definitely yeah. a small town. It's a small um, town. Yeah, It's a small town. It's set on Christmas Eve, and one of her friends runs a toy store just down the street from her. And in that toy store is an animatronic Santa Claus that apparently has a military microchip in it and just becomes evil. It's military grade robotics. <laughs> yeah. And it becomes evil. <laughs> like, they repurpose. There's no reason it becomes evil either. No, it just is. And I love that about this movie. It's just evil. It's an evil killer robotic Santa Claus. That's all you the need. The opening with all the commercials setting it up too is like, it's so funny. There's like, mm -hmm. there's like wildly inappropriate children's toy commercial. Like a few other like kind of eighties throwback kind of gags. A preview of a different like, like slasher movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then they they go into this like robotic technology, your animatronic Santa in a store near you. And then they switch to news and a newscaster's going like these Santas have been recalled and like all the and that's just how the movie opens. Yep. And then you're just thrown into these like 
these two characters essentially like just living their daily lives in the lead up to Christmas. Yeah. Um, the two leads in this movie, Tori and Robbie, mm-hmm. are two of my favorite horror characters ever. They're so good. They're, they're so good. They're, yeah, they're so, they're so relatable. Yeah. And that's the thing I picked up on the first time I watched this movie of how relatable these two leads are because most of the conversations that they have in this movie I've had before. I mean, we've had a lot of them. I was going to say, you and I have had them. We've probably yeah. recorded those conversations on this podcast. Because yeah. <laughs> they're, deba- they're debating like the the best like Christmas songs ever. They're debating which like which bands continued to be great which ones did not which ones like yep. why metallica is not as good as they as they once used to be which version yeah, of van like, halen is better one of them one of them has a theory that the shorter the haircut the worse the music gets yes. like it's it's incredible and like sure does it go on for a while before the santa even comes to life and starts killing people Yes, but to me, like, I want that whole movie. I want the whole yeah. movie of these two work. I want a prequel where it's just a day in the record store yeah. with these two. I would watch about, Clerks with just these two. Yes, yeah, about why Pet Cemetery Two is better than the first Pet Cemetery, or why Blair yeah. Witch Two: Book of Shadows is better than the first one. Yeah. That's I would watch an entire movie on just these two characters hanging out in that record store. One, the set for that record store is incredible. I love it. Yes. It's just neon drenched. I wouldn't be it's able to shop so in there. Great. You can't see anything. But They've got Lemmy as God spray yeah. painted and black light paint on the wall. Like <laughs> They sell VHS tapes. They sell records. They it's, it seems like the perfect store. Yeah. It's incredible. It's like, it's, it's a little like, it's one of those movies where watching it is almost a little bit of wish fulfillment too, because it's like, I just want to spend time in this record store. I want to yeah. spend time with these people. It's the same thing. It's the same vibe that I get when I watch uh, the dead don't die, which I know you don't care for, but Caleb Landry Jones's shop in that movie. Every time I watch that, I'm like, I want that shop. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be the guy that runs that shop. It's so cool. And like, that's how I feel going into this movie is like, it's just a vibe. Like I want to hang out here yeah. and I want to hang out with these characters. And do they say fuck too much? Oh my God. Yes, they do. But guess who else does that? Us. Literally any, any, any horror punk rock yeah. fan does. And yeah, it's ridiculous that that's a, a gripe of this movie, especially like, <laughs> You have Tarantino doing it in every movie just as oh, many times. every movie. Every movie. And, and no one complains one of, about that. One of my favorite movies of all time, Christine. They were worried about an R rate, like not getting an R rating. So they just put fuck every other word of the script. Like, and no one, no one complains about that. Yeah. It's a ridiculous, There's... it's a ridiculous thing, especially for a horror movie that the, the characters in this horror movie say fuck too many times. It's a ridiculous ideology. It feels like one of those was one person nitpicked it on Twitter and then the whole like online culture just like 
amoeba around it. It was like, oh, they say fuck too much. <laughs> it's the one person who still hates Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows. And they're like, I can't believe they liked this movie. And that <laughs> yeah. the filmmaker was endorsing it. It's like, oh, my God, get over it. Anyway, we love these characters. They're incredible. Yep. <laughs> Again, I talk about giving this movie four and a half stars. I know you gave it a five this time. Spoiler I did. Our, I bumped our, it up. I couldn't help it. I will say the one thing that knocks it off a half star for me. They kill Robbie too early. It's an emotional <sighs> gut punch when yeah. he dies. So we'll go through all these death scenes, but that's my biggest thing is I, I, I wish we had more time with these characters because I love them together so much. And mm-hmm. I think there's more interactions that we could have got with them. So anyway, we're on the night of Christmas Eve and we have Robbie and Tori. They work at this record store together. She's his boss. And he basically convinces her instead of going out on this Tinder date with this dad of four, let's just go to the bar and get drunk and see what happens. He's apparently been trying to get with, with her for a while and she's been pushing it off forever. Yeah. They end up at a, a toy store right down the street owned by one of her friends. Uh, where the killer Santa Claus is. Uh, the the couple in that toy store get into some real real kinky stuff with Santa Claus there watching. They're yeah. the first to go in an incredible fashion. Oh, God, it is. I love that sequence. It's, it's, it's an incredible sequence. All the kill sequences are pretty incredible in this movie, especially for a low-budget yeah. feature like this. Well, and the best part about like the the couple in the toy store getting killed is when it cuts to outside and Tori and Robbie are walking down the street and they hear like the screaming and it's like that classic trope of like they just kind of pass it off as like a oh, oh yeah yeah they're just having fun like yeah. wow haha you know and it's yes, it's a trope. It's overused, but every time it happens, it's still funny. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I just, I love them cheering them on while they're just getting like brutally murdered. <laughs> it's, it, I don't know. It's the simple things in life, man. Uh, this movie, this movie does not reinvent the slasher wheel by any means. Like it's, it's. I, I describe this movie as Santa Terminator on roids. Mm-hmm. because that's what it is it is but then here's the thing that i think both for both of us sets it apart from movies like that is the characters yes and that I agree. we spend the first 30 40 minutes of this movie with them and you fall in love with them so when it times comes time for killer robot santa to go after them you're like oh no get away because you guys need to talk more about for some reason why freddy's dead is the best nightmare on elm street movie which is an insane take and not true at all <laughs> but I need more of why. I need to hear why you, you think Freddy's dead is better. Yes. Um, but yeah, there these characters are so much fun. And there's a scene when they're when they're in the bar, and it's kind of like I don't know these these two characters. Again, they already have a connection with each other, but finding more of a connection because they're spending Christmas Eve together alone at a bar by themselves. Then yeah. the sheriff the sheriff shows up. Yeah. Sheriff Jeff Buzzkill. Daniel Phillips. Jeff Daniel Phillips. Love him. He's incredible. Yep. Herman Sheriff, Munster himself. Her, Herman Munster <laughs> just shows up and he's a complete buzzkill on the night for these two. And that's where I want more Robbie because As I want cops usually are. Yeah. 
And he at least bought their drinks. I, I'll, he I'll did. Give him no. <laughs> Jeff Daniel Phillips is actually one of the cooler horror movie cops, I feel like, even if he's a little bit of a buzzkill. Yeah. He's still a buzzkill, but once you like explain something to him, he becomes less of a buzzkill, especially later on in the movie where he's like just arresting her. Yeah. He's doing his job right there. And he's yeah. like, yeah, he's a dick because we as an audience know what happened. Him as a cop in that moment seeing a girl covered in blood driving the cop car. It's like, yeah, you arrest her on the spot. Uh, yeah, yeah, 100%. So there's history between, um, I'm just going to call him Sheriff Buzzkill. Sheriff Buzzkill and Robbie. And we don't really get that explored besides that one scene in the bar. And that's where yeah. I wish Robbie stayed alive. I don't know. He probably could have, he still could have died maybe in the third act of this movie. But that's where I wanted a little more because where where Tori ends up in this movie, she ends up teaming up with the sheriff. Yep. About halfway through the movie. And I would have liked to seen that dynamic a little more. Yeah. Because you're right. They... It's Again, it's a half star because I still think it's great what they yeah. do. But it's the fact that I like the Robbie character and I wanted to see more of him. Yeah. I, I agree that his death maybe comes a little like prematurely, but I also, at the same time... Not the only thing like, that comes prematurely in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> hey <-oh. laughs> Um. At the same time, I, I I admire it for killing him off right away. Yeah, it's it's a genuinely shocking moment. It's like, especially like he gets through the house, like he gets out of the house. Yeah. You know, like you don't even know if anybody's gonna get out of the house. He gets out of the house. You think we're good, and then he gets thrown out of the car and axed into the grill. And it's just like, holy shit. Like, mm -hmm. and it's brutal. Like you've got, you've got Tori trying to like, just, oh, pleading with him to get up and get moving and he can't. And it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's not enough to get me to like tear up or cry, but it's about as close as you can get mm -hmm. before tipping into that arena you yeah. know what i mean same yeah same here it's every yeah. time that happens i'm like nah that sucks i liked him yeah and it's yeah, not very it's often of you have that in a slasher movie where it's like oh i liked him i wish he would have gotten away yeah most other times he's like, got a right, terrible whatever. haircut but he's he's a great guy hey it's, so. <laughs> i liked his haircut no yeah. i did too actually <laughs> it's facial hair he needed he needed a full full beard or just the mustache decide on one or the other too yeah, yeah. None of this goatee garbage. Uh, she liked his goatee garbage, though. That's for yes, sure. She did. In, in... <laughs> she liked it a lot. Um, <laughs> in the best scene of the movie. It's the best scene of the movie. It's and it's it comes down to the the characters that we already like. Yep. Comes down to we don't often see this in movies. Yes. We, we got to see it in two movies that we talked about today, though. Um, <laughs> yeah. Comes down to the editing and the music. Yes. And because, the practical effect that caps it all off. Yeah. And it's because the scene is like these two are finally hooking up in her yep. house. Robbie and Tori are. He's going down on her is the yep. scene. But in the house across the street, 
is where robot killer Santa is. And he's going after this family, specifically the dad. Yeah. And stabs him in the back and is going after him. And the big climax of the scene is the dad's head gets stomped in, curb stomped into the, into stairs. the steps. Yeah. Yeah. As right she, as. Right. As she the also climax. Yeah. She climaxes in the other side. Yeah. Yeah. They get it. <laughs> Just beautifully orchestrated scene. Mm-hmm. I, it's just and and it's it's God. It's it's one of those like it's one of the best examples of mixing like sexuality and violence to a very uneasy effect. Yes. Like because you're like it's it's a very like it's a sexy scene. Like it's but it's being intercut with this guy like. Getting his climbing for smashed. his life up the stairs with an axe sticking out of his back and then just getting annihilated mm-hmm. by it robot santa boot and like this like punk rock soundtrack underneath yeah incredible. like this grimy like grungy punk stuff mm-hmm. oh god the score in this movie is incredible it's yeah ah oh, the whole aesthetic of this movie is just it's on a different level it's um, one of the most punk rock movies I've seen in a long time. Yeah, yeah. It, it and as someone feels... who loves punk rock, this like, if this was scored to a Ramones album, it would fit perfectly. It would work. Yeah, it would one hundred percent work. It really feels like a Rob Zombie movie, but with a punk rock aesthetic instead of the like hellbilly aesthetic that he always yeah. has. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's 100% the vibe Joe Bagos has in all of yeah, his movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know. I would love to... This this might be a weird thing, but like, I kind of want to see what a Rob Zombie-produced Joe Bagos movie... Like, I don't know. You don't, know what I mean? Don't tempt me with a good time, yeah. Oh, God, I just... I'd love to see those two like power like team up and do something like huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It'd be great. It'd be great. Yeah, because Joe Bangos, he feels like he feels like if Rob Zombie didn't make music and went straight into movies. Yeah, yeah. That's what Joe Bangos feels like. He doesn't have the music aesthetic. Uh, uh, he he's not a like famous musician who got money to make studio right. early on he just went straight into i'm gonna make punk rock indie horror films yeah. which rob later got into yeah yeah those two have a very similar similar vibes and tones probably a disservice to people who hate rob zombie for some reason yeah i but i don't get those people we love rob zombie on this we show. love we rob zombie on this show yeah and if you're on uh, this show you have to love rob zombie for at least two hours with us damn straight <laughs> so this movie again super low budget indie shot on film it looks incredible there's like mm-hmm. three car explosions in this movie yeah there's the cars a lot getting flipped over and ambulances driving into things he goes bagos goes all out in this movie i, I mean at one point him. tori literally turns an ambulance into a molotov cocktail like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah she fl- so in the in the second half of this movie, she's basically the only one left. Yeah, like probably kill- in this like whole town, right? Like this, no yeah, one in else this, in this town is alive. They're either not alive or they're oblivious to like explosions happening on Main Street, <laughs> right? And so the cops get killed, 
by Robot Santa, the sheriff and not all the sheriff. dipshit deputies. Yeah, yeah dipshit de- deputy dipshit, and <laughs> they get killed. So she ends up like on this one-on-one sequence with Killer Robot Santa for what forty-five minutes of this movie. Oh God, it's it is minutes? the longest final battle because it's, it it starts in the in the police station. And she gets to yeah. taste the killer robot Santa. Yeah. She ends up driving away and we get a like mini chase sequence in this movie in the oh, ambulance. Oh god, yeah. With robot Santa in the back trying to get in. Attach yeah, attacking from behind. She crashes the ambulance. He goes flying out of it. <laughs> Still not dead. Nope. She, she she pins him with a car. Yep. Then lights a rag on fire and sticks it down the gas tank blows the whole thing up runs into a record store and then the santa comes out of the flames and keeps coming at her and like i mean she gets annihilated in this final battle too like that she she gets like her fingers her fingers chopped off like she doesn't have fingers on her right hand she breaks her leg like and the it's, Santa goes through hell too, like in her oh, trying yeah. to stop it. Like she has to turn on the sprinklers in the in the record store. Yeah, uh, she's she barely even the, standing the, up. The sword. Yeah. Oh, the sword, sword thing. It's so cool. The sword is incredible. Yeah. Um, I. It's almost like Joe Bago. Like, it's almost like Joe Bago saw the internet talking about child's play and how like. Oh, uh, Chucky just comes back to life too many times, and he was like, "Hold my beer," <laughs> and he just because that's what this feels like. It feels like it feels like the third act of Terminator on roids, or the third act of Child's Play on roids, where like it's another unkillable machine, but this one, like he somehow makes it feel even more unkillable than what we have seen in movies thus far. Like there is. Even after she has killed this robot Santa, like credits roll, and I'm still like, no. He's getting up. 30 seconds later, his eyes blink back on and he fucking kills her. <laughs> like <laughs> that's how that's how persistent and terrifying this Robo Santa is. Or all the other Robo Santas come to this town. Oh my god. There's an army of Robo Santas coming down the main street. Okay, so, you know, I know that some filmmakers have aversions to sequels, but I would take a sequel to this movie. I, oh, God, it could just literally be Tori. Give Begos, like, a huge budget and have Tori be, like, spearheading the military <laughs> recon of all these robo-Santas. Ter- Ter- Terminator 2, but with Tori. Yeah, Versus exactly. Killer Santa. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't need I don't need a sequel to this. I, I think he does perfect no. <laughs> jobs of just standing alone. I yeah. cannot wait to see what he does next, though. Oh my god. Because he just knocks it out of the park every single time and gets better and better. Yeah, someone give this guy money or just keep doing what you're doing. I was Vegas. about to say, I just keep letting him make movies at this level because he's clearly he's clearly able to do things with these smaller budgets. Like this movie looks sounds it, it, it like the pacing is just i remember on that on that podcast he did with charlie band that he owns all his own film equipment 
like the cameras oh, yeah. that they use yep. for this and just buys the f- actual film that they use. Yep. Which is so cool. Yeah, it's the most punk rock thing you can do. Like I'm just literally going to buy all of this <laughs> fund my own film, literally fund my own film. God, yeah. Yeah. Vegas rules. Vegas rules. Yeah. If you yep. Joe, if you're listening and you want to come on and talk about Bliss or VFW or Christmas Bloody Christmas or whatever the hell you're doing next. Yeah. Please, please come on. Oh my god, please. And we have, we have so many questions. We could pick your brain for the amount of time that you would give us. Take, <laughs> I was going to Char- do like for hours, but I don't want to scare Take Charlie Band's offer of making a full moon movie for nothing, too. I want to see. Ooh, yeah. Uh, I want to see your version of, of Doll Man. That's what I want. Yeah. Joe Bagos is Doll Man. Anyway, Christmas, Christmas, Bloody Christmas. How many, how many, how many slaughtered reindeer do you get this one? Uh, it's like a five slaughtered reindeer out of five for me. Uh, the, this movie, like I said, I think I've seen it four or five times since it came out last year. I, it just, and it doesn't get old. Like I almost didn't even rewatch it before this episode because I just watched it like a month ago, but I was like, nah, I'm going to watch it again. And I did. And I was just like, no, this movie, this movie's incredible. This is, it's a modern classic. And, uh, I think that in 30 years, this is legitimately going to be up there with like Black Christmas as one of the best holiday slashers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What about yeah, you? I give, Final thoughts? I give, like I said, I gave this one four, four and a half. And it's just because I want more time with characters. I'm selfish. I'm selfish as a, as a film goer on this movie. I wanted more time with, mm-hmm. with Robbie and, and Tori together and seeing their dynamic together uh yeah this movie's incredible like like i said it was in at least my top three of my if not my favorite of last year it i loved this movie and for a christmas horror movie to be that not just like oh my god i love this as a christmas horror movie i love this as a horror movie yeah it's incredible and being one of my favorites of the year love this movie cannot cannot recommend this movie enough hell yeah absolutely all right so we're gonna wrap things up then we got our slasher santas out of the way we got to christmas evil we got to christmas bloody christmas please let us know out there people listening what your thoughts are on both of these movies do you like christmas evil do you like the ending what is your interpretation why do people hate the the dialogue and the characters in christmas bloody christmas please leave a comment and just let us know your thoughts on both of these movies sam where can they leave us a comment you can leave us a comment on YouTube where we have our show bi-weekly, our main show bi-weekly, and we'll keep doing some interviews so that we're hopefully getting new content each week, each and every week. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, and you can also follow us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, <clears throat> and TikTok. Yeah. We uh yeah, we we we've we've been posting TikToks. I need yeah. to post another one soon. I actually have an idea for one um that I'm going to do really quick or like really soon. So, like I don't know. Watch our dumb faces do stupid rankings and TikTok trends true. and shit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you might even see us dancing on there someday. I don't know. You might. You probably will see me dancing on there sooner rather than later because I dance a lot in general. Film it. 
I'm going to film it. I'm going to film it. I'm going to sell my soul for your sweet likes and views. <laughs> so be on the lookout for Sam doing his Buffalo Bill dance in his room at some point. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Last two things here we got to plug. We got to plug our T Public store. You can yes. check us out there. Just search Screens from the Basement. Sam is repping our I'm classic repping. logo classic logo right there that he designed himself sam is wearing his own design on his own t-shirt from his own merch store how cool is that you can get yours now tpublic.com just search screens from the basement and we have a link in all of our descriptions yeah and there's been a ton of sales because it's december so you might you might get some sweet discounts this month if you check it out exactly and the last thing we got to plug once again we plug it in we'll do it again here you can go to shop.fangoria.com slash screens from the basement. That's shop.fangoria at screen, or excuse me, shop.fangoria.com slash screens from the basement. Use discount code screens from the basement to get 20% off anything and everything on the Fangoria website, including an annual subscription to the Fangoria magazine. Yes. All Casey, right. this was such a fun episode. This was a great holiday special. This was a great holiday special. We want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays. However you celebrate it, do so by watching more horror movies. Next time you yes. will see us, we have an interview coming out the following week from when this drops on our podcast feed. We are chatting with another Full Moon filmmaker. I'm so excited for this. We're chatting with the one and only Danny Draven about bad CGI Gator, which is streaming right now on the Full Moon app. So go check that out before you check out our interview. We talk about his entire Full Moon catalog of films that he's he's worked on, including Ouija's. Uh, we talked about that for quite a bit on, on that interview as oh, well. Yeah. So that'll drop next week. And then next time you see our ugly faces together on this show, we're doing our ranking of the best horror films of 2023. I, okay, I would like to say, though. Uh-oh. I'm going favorite, not best. If I go best, my our favorites favorite. aren't gonna end up on the list. Our fa- our, <laughs> our 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 best. This is our list. It's not like yes. this yeah. is the best movie of the year. No, no, no. It's Sam's top ten, my top ten. We're doing a big episode next time, so be on the lookout for that in two and weeks. If you listen to the show, you already know we have different tastes. Yeah, so, we do. I think both of our lists are going to ruffle feathers maybe even each other's feathers who knows (laughs) all i can say is as we wrap this up and say a happy new year's to everyone be on the lookout for maybe some talk to me i'm just kidding we're not gonna have that movie on there we're gonna be the only horror podcast that will not have that movie on our list because we'll talk about that here in 2024 when we do that episode sam give us that sign off before we tap out on 2023 thanks for tuning in everybody and sweet scream. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening.